Giuliano. All right. It is uh, 27th of June, 2020, and that makes us, what's the number, Pete? 223. Crank it in, Ralph. Crank it in. 223. Crank it in, Ralph. 223. Here we are. All right. Pete Giuliano, we have lots of things to talk about today, but today, what what is today, Pete? Field day. Today's field day. Oh, my God. And you and I, for the first time in many years, are actually participating in field day. Is that correct? Correct. All right. What? So tell us what you're up to. Well, I, I, I'm going to actually work for my back patio. I, I have a uh, vertical antenna that I arranged on a tripod, and uh, I have a rig that I put together, and it'll be operating about 100 watts. And, and I, uh, I still am trying to work my way through the minefield of what I call myself. I think I'm a one delta Santa Barbara. One Delta Santa Barbara. I was I was working on that too. Hold on a second. I want to put my head my microphones back on here. These headphones are going to mess us up if I try to innovate. See, I'm trying to innovate here on the fly, and it's not working out too well. Because then you're going to show up both in my in your channel and my channel. We can't have that. All right. So, all right. Now we're better. Back to normal. All right. So you're One Delta Santa Barbara. I was looking at my category too. But tell us about your station. What are you building there? Well, I, I'm using a, a homebrew SDR transceiver, right. the the Radic. Uh-huh. I, I actually took it off the breadboard and mounted it on a metal plate, so it's all one compact assembly. And uh, something interesting here, I thought I'd share with the podcast listeners. Uh, this rig is run by a Raspberry Pi three. And I have a 7-inch HDMI screen. Now, the 7-inch HDMI needs an auxiliary 5 volts DC for the backlight. And, of course, you have to supply 5 volts DC to the Raspberry Pi. And that's not real easy. They have these wall warts that uh, you typically use. I have found a supply that operates off of 12 volts that produces 5 volts. And that's, oh the, that's the Meanwell, the Meanwell SD25A-5. And it's good for 5 amps at 5 volts. But the thing that's really unique about this Meanwell, it's got a variable output on the secondary. So you can tune it anywhere from 4.9 to 5.5. Typically, the Raspberry Pi likes to see about 5.2 volts. So if you put like just a three-terminal regulator at 5 volts... It'll, it'll operate intermittently, and it's flaky. So the thing that's nice about this meanwhile, it's about 20 bucks, is that you can crank the voltage up to about 5.3 volts, and it just hums right along. So I now have a truly portable station. I can operate it off of like a 12-volt battery or a solar panel or something like that. So, although I'm not going to be operating that way today, but you can. So the meanwhile... SD. What a, what a what a name! You know, it, it it's <laughs> they mean well. <laughs> they mean well, yeah. They're from Taiwan. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where you know, it, it, you know, it, it it'd be really hard for us to come up with the right name in Chinese. Yeah, going the other way, I guess sometimes they just don't quite get it. Like, yeah. mean well sounds to me like well. They meant well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah in this case, a... they meant well, and it came through. Yeah. Hey, this is really a nice supply. It's about. Oh, about an inch high and maybe three by four inches. So I saw really pictures a, of it. I saw pictures of it. You had it on your um, yeah, on your blog. Yeah. It was really, really nice. Yeah. Right. The, the, the also the nice thing, the input voltage can be anywhere from nine point two to eighteen volts. So if you're operating off a twelve volt battery, and the voltage starts to sag, you'll still get five volts out. Excellent, man. Excellent. No, I, I've been playing around. I'm going to talk about voltage when we get to my, my field day operation. But first of all, you, you talked about the radic, but tell us about your antenna. Well, it's uh, parts and pieces of my former mobile antenna. So it's, it's a Neutronics Hustler uh, bottom section. And then the top, uh, actually, no, I take that back. I bought this from DX Engineering. It's about five foot long. And then the top section is uh, almost four foot so it's it's nine foot long, and then I took an old camera tripod that that had some problems with it, and I modified it. So I mounted this thing on the camera tripod, and it's actually an elevated uh, vertical, and it's got a ground plane with uh, four radials, 33 feet long. So it's going to be operating on 40 meters. Got it just setting out in my backyard. This could this could be kind of nice because it all 
comes apart and no section is bigger than five feet so you can throw it in the trunk of your car so it has lots of possibilities and this is this is really you know it's it's ironic that in that that you and i have been driven to field day yeah specifically i mean it's almost because of quarantine right yeah yeah it's, it's you know quarantine should be keeping us in the house but because of the changes in the rules and the changes in the approach of field day, i remember i think this came up I heard about it when I spoke to the Vienna Wireless Society Radio Club, and then I mentioned to you, I said, this year, you know, they're doing field day, but a lot of guys are just going out into their backyards. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, a year ago, we had a podcast <laughs> on the same Saturday, field day. I know, but then we were just making fun of it, yeah. talking about how we were staying yeah. inside because we didn't want to get eaten by mosquitoes yeah. and yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. But I, too, Pete, have found that this is kind of a nice way to do field day. Yeah. So we have, my wife has set up a really nice garden out in the front. There's this nice uh, a kind of, par, uh, um, you know, picnic table with an umbrella and everything. And I, I was sitting out there the other day just enjoying the cool breeze through the front yard. And I said, you know what? This wouldn't be a bad field day location. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I t I'll tell you what I did. I took my micro bidex that I had with me down in the Dominican Republic in January. And that I've, I've since kind of souped it up. You know, I put in um, a little audio filter from the QRP guys, put that in there. Um, put in, uh, I, I improved the key. I, I changed the side tone volume. Well, a lot of little, little, little peaks and tweaks to get it going good. And then I started thinking, I've got my old Volkswagen solar panels so I could charge up the batteries with solar power, adding mojo to the whole oh, equation. Yeah. Then I started thinking about the antenna. Now, do I really want to start throwing wires up into the trees in late June, you know, when I don't have to? And I'm thinking, that's that'd be a showstopper for me. I, I just don't want to do that anymore. But then I looked up, and my my doublet antenna, my 135 feet of wire, was coming down the end of it was pretty close to the nice picnic uh, kind of table that I had sit, set up there. The end of it. You, you're thinking, I can yeah, see you're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. End fed, fed, right? Yeah, you got the end tuner fed. too. I, I Well, I got, I got, all, I got the tuner. I got the, uh, I got the uh, end fed halfway of tuner, right? So that was my first thought. So I went and I, I could lower the end of the antenna without disassembling the whole thing. So I let it droop down. My daughter Maria came by and said, hey, what is this wire? <laughs> I said, the wire's been up there for several years now. It's just that it was so high you can't see it. Now it's down low. I took another wire and just went up to the end and wrapped it around, right? So now I've got, depending on how you look at it, either 135 feet of wire or you know, 65 feet of wire, 67 feet of wire, something like that, depending on whether you take half or both. And I, I tried to tune it up with the NFED half-wave tuner, but it didn't work because it's not, it's, it, the NFED half-wave tuner is made to use for a half-wave on, on each of the bands. It, it's, got a, it's, a, it's, got, it's basically got a very high impedance to low impedance transformer in there that you could tune so it th at. thousand ohms, isn't it? Something, something like, like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. But um, it didn't. It didn't work out. So then, what I did was I pulled out an old. I've been playing around with L networks, and I have an old L network here, and I just hooked that up, and I was able to get it to tune up really nicely. And you know, I made a couple contacts with this thing. Ooh, wow! But let me tell you about the power thing, though. Um, I, I wanted to use the um, the lithium ion battery that I had been using down in the Dominican Republic, but I couldn't. I, I had trouble getting the charger to get it to charge right. And I didn't want to blow up the lithium-ion battery. They're, they're a little bit more sensitive. So I pulled out an old gel cell that I had that would still take a bit of charge. And I checked it, and it was down around 12.4. And I put it on the solar panels, and the Volkswagen solar panels brought it up to over 13 volts. So I used that. I fired that up. I hooked it up. I hooked up the U-BIT-X to that. So I've got its QRP. It's sort of uh, portable-ish, and uh, it's solar-paneled. So I, I got on the air from the front yard yesterday, long before the field day period, but who, who cares, really? Yeah, what yeah. Do it, what yeah, are you doing on yeah. Friday or Saturday or Sunday yeah, yeah. if you're fooling around with it like we are? 
And uh, I called CQ with it, and a guy, I, I had two contacts yesterday. One with a guy out in the Shenandoah uh, Valley, about, I guess, about, about 100 miles west of me, and then with another fellow in, in Ohio. So I have successfully made contacts. I've got most of it set up out there. I don't think I'll be able to operate today, but uh, I think I, I may go out and make a couple of actual field day contacts tomorrow. But it was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I kind of cool. liked it. Yeah. I got my stack set up, too. Oh, yeah. But what category are you, Pete? I, I think I'm a 1D. 1D. Yeah, I, I well, single, at the operator, I single operator, and D is operating from your home. Yeah. I think, yeah, but then there's another one, like, a, uh, I think I was one like B. a 1B. Yeah, B. Which is you're operating from your home. Battery. You're, no, you're just one. You're from a portable location. Your battery and your five watts or less. Yeah. Yeah. You're 1B. So I think I'm 1B. I may be. I don't know. I don't know how they would how the how the uh, the the judges would interpret my uh, my use of an already standing up standing antenna, <laughs> but I'm I'm using it from the end. Uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. How are, what band were you on? Forty, just 40. forty. Yeah, forty phone. Yeah, forty phone. Were you able to make a lot of contacts? You make contacts? Uh, just a couple yesterday. Yeah. I was just testing it out from the from inside the shack, but uh, wow. so it's going to be essentially the same thing. I'll move out. Yeah. I found conditions on 40 were pretty bad yesterday. I mean, midday, it's just dead. And then it perks up a little bit as the sun goes down, but that doesn't last too long. And uh, so. Bands have not been good at all the last several weeks. No. So, uh, anyway, but, but we are participating, Pete. That's the thing. We're supporting yeah. Field Day. And we're ready. If the, if the balloon goes up, we can, we can move to our picnic tables. Yes. Ready to go. <laughs> Do, I don't know what. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Hey, can we go back to Solder Smoke 222? We can. That okay. was just last, I, I, just last yeah, month. Yeah, I, I wanted to, something bothered me. Something oh, bothered me from 222. What is it? And you were telling me or telling the audience about the Uh-oh. dial plate on your radio had all these cities on it. Right. Like Monticello, Maine. Uh, the metropolis of Monticello. And Schenectady. And you said, I don't know why Schenectady. Oh, General Electric, right? That's right, because they <laughs> owned RCA. <laughs> I, I, You're, and I, I kept saying, Schenectady, Schenectady, Schenectady. <laughs> I, a number of guys wrote in to me. I think I put it up on the blog, and a number of guys wrote in saying, yeah, General Electric was up there. Yeah, yeah and they, were, they had RCA. They were the parent company of RCA. I didn't realize that, and then... Harris Semiconductor then picked up RCA. I don't know who owns them now, but anyway, I'm glad we cleared up that. So Schenectady, why Schenectady has went won a place on the dial? There was other places too. I think there was like Rochester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Anyway, we just we, we want to keep our podcast listeners informed, I, informed, and and we, ha- we want to keep our information entirely accurate. Yeah. You know, yeah so I, absolutely. I, 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 I don't have any Schenectady on the dial. I have. My my dial is kind of I've got China, Spain, Turkey, Greece, then like WRMI, WBCQ. I've got WWV at ten megahertz, but um, we'll uh, talk about the Q thirty one in a bit when we get to yeah, the yeah. Uh, uh, all the locations sound like coronavirus hotspots. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think some of them are past it. <laughs> we're the hotspot now. Yeah. Oh no, we're doing good. We're in a good place right now. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> All right. Um, talking about we were talking about us talking about talking to clubs. This is another thing. You and I. Yes. Who, both of us, for years, have been avoiding participation in clubs. Let's face it, we have not been very social, Pete. No. This is this was part of the whole. I don't want to go to field day thing. I don't want to go to club meetings either. And you can't make me. Yeah, yeah, there <laughs> you go. I'm retired. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but we did. You spoke to the Cedar Valley, Iowa Radio Club, which has a special connection to Collins. Yes. And I spoke to the Vienna Wireless Society Club, which which is my club. It's my local club. And uh, I used to be much more active in it when we were back here before we went off to Europe and all that. Uh, but it was good to get back with them. So why don't you go first? Tell us about what it was like to talk to the Cedar Valley guys. They're yeah. in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Yeah, well, first of initially I wondered, 
who, why, why me? <laughs> why me? And then, as it turns out, quite a few of the club members are Solder Smoke podcast listeners. Oh, man. So they they were familiar with, you, you know, the two of us. And so they contacted me, would I like to speak? And especially because I did mention the KWM4. So there was that connection. But it was really, really cool. And what's also interesting is in the in my presentation... I mentioned about uh, Gene Senti. He was a Collins, I found out later, Collins, he was like a manager of a, of a special group. He bought a 75A4, brand new, with his employee discount, took it home in his basin and modified it <laughs> from a receiver into a transceiver. Then he calls Art Collins over and says, hey, Art, <laughs> take a look at this. <laughs> Art says, woo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. And so I, I, so then one guy asked me, he said, well, where did you get that story? I said, on the Collins Reflector. So someone in the back of the room says, he's right. He said, Gene is a friend of mine, and he used to be a member of this club. He said, that's how it happened. So, I mean, I just found that so totally amazing that some guy just independently developed. And, and the, the first product line, of course, was the KWM-1. So uh, it was kind of nice to see. And uh, I guess uh, Senti is a silent key, but he was a very active member of the club. So, I mean, talk about a connection with the past. <laughs> well, a connection with the past. And this is something that we've been talking about here for a while. I mean, this is this is one of the benefits and one of the, one of the important parts of having, you know, blogs and podcasts and everything that we do because we're helping to document quite a bit of radio history. Now, that, that conversation with Senti that you discussed – and his contribution, that could easily be just completely missed and not noted. Yeah, but, you know that we'll we'll put it in the uh, in the show notes here, and so somebody you know years from now wants to figure out who Senti was or how this particular rig was developed, this particular bit of radio technology history, they will find us yes. here talking about it. Well, and they will find. You know your slides from the uh, from the Cedar Rapids Club. I put Pete's slides up on the Solder Smoke blog. They're up there, so you could check that out. I, I wish they had recorded the thing. Apparently, they didn't. Uh, well, I have not been able to determine. And actually, uh, I have ha- had some follow up uh, with the guys because, uh, well, for one, uh, they kind of grilled me on my SDR, my Radic. They said, "Why are you using an analog front end on that?" <laughs> I mean, you know. A, it's good you're going to SDR. B, that's that's like doing brain surgery with a rusty spoon. <laughs> it's I, I found that kind of ironic, and this is part of the long-standing discussion we've had about HDR versus SDR. Yeah. But for me, the Collins guys, the guys who made the KWM one, the KWM two, for me, they're the quintessential analog hardware designed, hardware defined radio guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. And here, here they are razzing you a bit about your the remaining bits of analog technology in your SDR transceivers, right? Yeah. They're saying, why don't you use direct to digital conversion? Yeah. And this has been this has been sort of my kind of I, I joke with you, that's the sort of the, the singularity that we're approaching. Because when you get to the point where you're using direct digital conversion, you eventually will have one chip Maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit long chip. It is. Linear and, technology sells it. One chip. Right. And you just, so so the so the home brewing part will be taking the chip, plugging it into the plug, and loading the software yes. into whatever computer you have running alongside it. Okay. Um, That's home whatever brewing. Float, whatever floats <laughs> your boat, but uh, it's not, not for me, not my cup of tea. But anyway, I, I thought it was ironic that these guys were saying, oh, why, I mean, why haven't you gone yeah. to a direct digital conversion? Yeah. But tell us about that. You're, you're, you're looking into it, I can yeah, tell. Well, I, I did, and, and then I realized that one of the chips that would, would work cost about 70 bucks, mm. and then there's a lesser version, about 20 bucks. but it's not just the chip itself. You actually have to buy this processor board, and it's a developmental board that uh, costs about three hundred bucks. So I mean, if you're really serious about building this, that you can take a development board and the chip without having to designing a PC board yourself, you're looking at four hundred bucks. Uh, but you, I, but you know, but you know, this brings to mind something else, Pete. You know, many people don't don't realize or maybe haven't focused on it. 
but we've been using direct digital conversion in radio for years now. Yeah. The RTL-SDR dongle, right? Now, unmodified, there's a converter in there that, that converts. I, I forget where the, how the conversion path goes, but the front end has a, a pretty conventional up converter or down converter. I don't remember. But most of us, in order to receive uh, HF on that thing, have, to have, have, the gone, converter. have gone in and modified it. Yeah. And the modification is basically taking out the converter and feeding HF directly into the direct digital sampler, right? So that RTL-SDR dongle is on the receive side. Of, you know, it's only a receiver, but it's direct digital conversion. And then it goes into the computer. The software does the magic. And, you know, Bob's your, your uncle, sort of, I guess. But anyway, so that, that that's there. And that thing, those converters, I mean, how, how much was the RTL-SDR dongle? Like 12 Four, 14, bucks. 14 bucks, something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I think in time, it's like most of this stuff, Bill, is people get get working with it, and next thing you know, someone comes up with something, and, you know, it puts it within reason. But, I mean, I wasn't going to go buy some development board for 300 bucks and then a, a chip for $72 and maybe get it to work. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a bridge too far for me. You know, it also may be that what will happen is that, that people will do that, and there'll be they'll kind of be a wave of enthusiasm for these chips. When these chips become significantly cheaper, and then people will be, you know, making things with these chips. But there's a there's a possibility that people will just say, wait a second, the technology has become so advanced that it's actually sort of taken some of the fun and some of the work out of homebrewing. And then then there'll be kind of a, a kind of a a return to older technology. We see that now, guys. You know, building tube type equipment. You know, there's, you know, we we've moved past that. You know, but 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 it's still a lot of people find it fun to design and build with thermotrons, as Grayson puts it. Well, you they know? still have Greenlee chassis punches. <laughs> uh, wait a second, I'm going to reach down here. I didn't, I didn't have it done this, but let me, let me show you this. Wait a second. This wasn't, this wasn't part of the deal. But look what I have here. Oh, um, chassis. Look at that. Look at that. That's a big chassis. It's still. It's from Bud. Yeah. Bud. Ooh, it's a Bud yeah. chassis. Yeah. It's aluminum. It's big, guys. It's it's like the size of a, a large cigar box. That's that's twenty eight dollars on Amazon. It is twenty eight bucks on I, Amazon. I, 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 I found it on eBay, and I couldn't. I, I just wanted it because I I don't have any chassis around here anymore. And anyway, I I don't know what I'm going to build on that thing, but it seems like it's good to have one around in case you suddenly decide decide to build one but anyway it, I, I could tell you i think you had fun talking to the cedar rapids guys. oh i did and, and it was they asked a lot of questions which which was kind of good and uh there was a real mix of people there were there were a lot of guys there that were very technically savvy and have built a lot of stuff and there was a bunch of newcomers that you could tell were anxious to take up homebrew and were asking me about homebrew questions and that sort of thing so it was kind of an interesting mix, and uh, the local club here uh, is interesting. Uh, they either own an ICOM seventy three hundred or Bayofang UV five R. Oh man, that's uh yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> and nothing in between. <laughs> well, the Baofang, yeah. Well, I I went and spoke to um, the Vienna Wireless Society in Vienna, Virginia, and like like you, we did it on Zoom, and. It, it was a lot of fun. Our, our friend Dean KK4DAS was the one who who suggested that we that we do this, and uh, you know I'm not big on meetings. One of the reasons I kind of fell away from radio the radio club was because I was well I was working at the time, and when you're working, you're going to meetings. You have by the end of the day, you've had you enough. You need meetings. one more one more meeting, right? One more meeting. Go home, relax, and then rush out, miss dinner with the family, so you could go to another meeting and so I, I i didn't do that but this one was this one was fun because i like to hear my voice <laughs> because i'm talking but what i decided to do with them just was just to describe kind of my experience with homebrew radio over the years and i, I started out by saying hey look don't think that you're hearing from me you know this is not the voice of a master home brewer 
All right. I'm just, I'm very, my, my amateur status is, is, is very well established here. Okay. I said, I know I do get to work with a master home brewer on the solder smoke podcast. And that's Pete Giuliano. <laughs> I said, but I'm not Pete. Okay. So I'm just, I'm going to tell you the good, the bad and the ugly. And there's quite a bit of ugly. So I took them through kind of my own evolution going back. I started with a little cartoon from Dilbert. Um, I talked about being electrically inclined as a kid, my early efforts to homebrew, my failed efforts to homebrew, building CW rigs, then building DSB, double sideband rigs, SSB rigs, and finally moving into the, into the kind of SSB transceivers with, with Farhan and the Bidex. So it was kind of fun to go through it. And, you know, it, it's strange to do it on Zoom, Zoom is better than some of the other platforms because at least you could see some of the participants along the side. You can't see all of them. I think we had 65 people on when I was when I was talking, but I could see a kind of one column of them, and you could see them laughing and their heads nodding when you, when you hoped that people were laughing or nodding their heads. So there was a little bit of of, of feedback there, and 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 it was it was a lot of fun as I as I talked them through it. Now I wasn't I wasn't doing this kind of in the proselytizing or kind of evangelical mode like you must home brew i said you know i'm telling you how i've had fun with this this is how i've done it i talked a little bit about the michigan mighty might and i said and some of you guys might want to want to try this some of you might not we've got one kind of interesting question there was a uh there was a cup there was a few uh younger people there and one young guy named uh duncan was there Duncan is a foreign service kid who's, whose father's in the foreign service. And he asked a question. He wants to get started. But he had, hearing all this talk about homebrew, his question was, now, he said, should I start completely with homebrew gear or should I have commercial gear too? And my answer to him was, I think you should do both. I mean, I said, because when I look back at my time as a 14 or 15-year-old, I had my Drake 2B and my Halocrafters HT37, and that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with that. And then later on, or at different times, I also kind of did home brewing as sort of a parallel effort. But I wasn't going to be uh, kind of austere or, or kind of really, you know, strict about it. Say, no, you should only use home brew equipment. Yeah, maybe that comes over time. What do you think about that, Pete? Uh, well, I agree with you, but I'm, I'm a little chagrined that you didn't try to offload one of those S38Es. <laughs> well, I did. I did. And so when, when we, let me tell you what happened. So I was really kind of, kind of touched by this kid's expression of interest, the fact that he had a, a very similar upbringing that my kids have. As a matter of fact, he mentioned that one of the, one of the ways he got interested in radio was that while assigned to an embassy somewhere, uh, he and his siblings were required to periodically demonstrate that they could use the emergency radio in the house. All right? And we do this around the world. My kids did it. Even as little kids, we would come, come out and say, okay, now you're going to pick up the, the walkie-talkie and you're going to call you know, Thunderbird 6, and those are the Marines inside the embassy, okay? You know how to do that? And this is what you do, and you get used to the push to talk and all that. And and so when he said that, it brought back all these memories. And I said, well, okay. So I told everybody, I said, now listen, at the end, I said, one thing we should all do here before we say goodnight is pledge to help young Duncan. He needs some help. Let's get it to him. So I put together kind of a care package. I'll try to pass it off to him here in the next couple of days. But one of the things I wanted to give him was a receiver. Because, you know, when you're getting started out, you need a receiver. So I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, look, I'm looking around the shack, I'm thinking, what receivers do I have that I could give to this young guy? And my eyes fell upon two, what I thought were beautiful, fully functional S38E receivers from the Halicrafters radio company. That's a stretch. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like all human memories, Pete. You forget the bad stuff. <laughs> This is why the Navy now seems to you like like happy days. Yeah, yeah. The Army, to me, seems like fun times. Yeah. It's because it was a long time ago, and we've forgotten all the bad stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So that same thing kind of happened with the S-38. I look at it, and I think, what a fine receiver that thing is. Wow, you could listen to everything. 
So I said, okay, there's a there's still a I guess kind of a, a minimalist risk of execute of electrocution, but well, you know, we can't let that be a showstopper. So I pulled it off the shelf and I put it on the bench and I connected an antenna. And I immediately determined I should never give this to a newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, this I, is the. I feel better. This, this would be like the fastest path to stamp collecting that you could imagine. You, 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 one turn of the dial, the dial was creaky. It turned the dial creak, creak, creak. I mean, the, everything about it was just ancient and horrible. Okay. So back on the shelf. And then I thought about giving him some of my homebrew direct conversion receivers. They weren't much better. I actually at one point entertained the possibility of passing on to him an HW7. Ooh. Uh, the HW8's nice-ish. But it's again, it's CW only, mostly. So I said, no, I can't do this. So I had nothing here really to, 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 to give to the fellow. But the, the, the club has come through, and the club has, from their, uh, they have a, kind of an auction stock that they're going to they're going to give him a receiver so we'll, we'll we'll help him out with that but it was great fun talking to the to the club and you you know you there are there are quite a few guys out there who are you know accomplished home brewers or uh, vintage boat anchor restorers and so there's there's a bit of a community there so it was it was fun talking to the to the group anyway that those were our well, that was our talking to the club's adventure this time Pete hey by the way speaking about clubs mm-hmm. comes the GQRP Club. I I have it right here. Ooh. Summer Sprat. Just give me a second. Hold on. Okay. Talk about it. Tell us about Sprat. Well, f- first of, um, it, it's interesting in light of our uh, earlier comments uh, about home brewing, what have you. And this this issue particularly struck me because there's it's it's such a wealth of information and there's so many wonderful projects in there there's some one and done you know like one evening and you're done and it's got such a variety of projects uh, really truly amazing i mean one of the ones that struck me i thought was pretty cool uh actually i happen to know this guy elaine came up with this uh interesting way of winding toroids he said find some cat five cable you know, I saw that Cat Five cable that is multicolor, and you know the old bifiller windings that you got to keep the winding straight if you're using two different colors, and it's usually number twenty six wire. So yeah. you can you can wind these toroids with two different color wire, and you never get the, the wrong one screwed up. So I, I thought that was kind of cool that you know someone says, "Hey, take." And he said, you know, sometimes you can watch a guy installing these in buildings and things like that. They'll give you the scraps for free. So I thought that was pretty good. And then uh, Steve Hartley has has a nice uh, revisit uh, of, of the Warner. It's on the front cover. By the way, I noticed it was in color. Beautiful stuff. It's, Beautiful it's amazing. stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, there's some magazines out today that are associated with organizations that are just leave you wanting but you join the gqrp club and you get a wonderful wonderful publication with lots of projects and and simple stuff that you don't need you know vast stock of parts and vast uh, array of test equipment to uh, to build and work successfully so really good stuff you know pete i, I i'm pleased you mentioned it because i it reminded me that, that when i was talking to the vienna wireless society I got to the point where I was talking about joining kind of a worldwide network of, of yes. solder melters. And I looked at them and I remembered a line that you've, we've used here frequently on the podcast. I said, look, there's this magazine out there called Sprat. It's put out by the GQRP Club. And as we say on the Solder Smoke podcast, if you're a home brewer and you're not subscribed to Sprat, you're just wrong. wrong. Yes. That's it. So I, I was looking at it. I, I, I really like the summer 2020 issue too. It's got the beautiful color. But then I open it up, and on page 12, you know, it, it's, it's very often this happens that we're all thinking about the same kind of stuff, especially with Tony Fishpool, Fishpool G4WIF. And Tony has an article there called uh, Filters and Smith, and Smith Charts. And it's, it's really good because he is now, as a result of the nano VNA, getting more familiar with the Smith chart. And I, I am too. And I'm playing around with the VNA. We'll talk that, about that in a minute. But it's really cool to see 
this article in here, and it's 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 fun to know that our friend Tony over there on the other side of the ocean is is kind of going through the same kind of process with a new bit of technology that that many of us are inexpensive so, technology in 50 or 60 bucks yeah. and you get a, a vector network analyzer it used to cost about five thousand i know i know you read some of these articles about them and it's like i remember um pat Haw- pat hawker g3va if you look through his technical topics columns when transistors were coming out that was one of his major objections he said we can't we can't go to transistors he said because we're going to need vector network analyzers, and they're astronomically expensive, so we we can't we can't do that. But anyway, now here we have the uh, the 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 nano VNA. We also have Farhan's Antuino, which is a, you know scalar network analyzer, extremely useful. We'll talk about that in a bit too. But uh, but really good. Maybe before we get to the benches, Pete, time for what's the time for now? Shameless Commerce Division. The Shameless Commerce Division. There's some innovation. There's some new stuff going on here, and I want to explain it. It requires some explanation. So we've talked about how we've been watching these videos about shipbuilding by the young fellow named Leo Sampson on YouTube. Uh, it's It was fun all during the first part of the quarantine thing, and I still, I still watch it. I've, I've kind of caught up, so now I have to wait every two weeks for Leo to come out another one. But he's, he's building... This ship called the Tally Ho from 1910, he's rebuilding it. It's quite a rebuild. It's sort of like making it all over it. <laughs> I think his original thought was just to rebuild it, but then the wood was in such bad shape that he ended up sort of building a new one around the old structure. He, he kept two boards and added 98% new wood, <laughs> like, right? I know, I know. And I find myself every once in a while thinking, but anyway, it's, it's a really interesting effort. Now, the other thing that we've started to watch is, and this this is a little bit, out there a little bit edgy but there's another whole series of videos out there by, by about a sailing yacht called the sv delos i'm sure many of our listeners have have watched this but they've got like 257 videos on youtube and they're really well done especially the ones in recent years now the story is that um this this fella um he he decided to to leave his job and leave the he's, he was an electrical engineer working for Microsoft in Seattle, and he decided just to quit, give it all up. He was interested in sailing, and he bought a fifty-one foot uh, sailing yacht called the Delos, and he started sailing around the world. He he's he's there with his brother. His brother's on, and in the beginning, when they were younger guys. You know, this has gone on for 10 years now. Now, he's in his mid-40s now, but he started out in his early to mid-30s. It was quite a party boat. <laughs> and um, they were they were, they were were partying hardy as they went across the Pacific Ocean. They've gone completely around the world in the Delos, and they've documented it. But now, the thing that Delos has in common with uh, Leo Sampson is that they're both kind of supported and funded by Patreon. Patreon is a way that people who like the videos or like the product can sign up to become patrons. So, you know, we all have a lot of time on our hands now that we're, all, we're still under lockdown again now. So it's going to be lockdown part two. So more time. No, we're all doing well. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, I know. But here I am. We're still here. Anyway, so I started thinking, hmm, Patreon. It's, I, I, I kind of want to be in the club there with SV Delos and the Samson Boat Company. So I started just kind of Googling around and I found it. And the next thing you know, I'm uploading a picture because they want you to have like a banner picture for solder smoke. Then they want to have a picture of the individual. And I couldn't put both your picture and my picture in there. So I had to pick another picture. So I took the, I took Marconi's picture, the picture of Marconi sitting there, the iconic picture of Marconi that's in there. And I just, without doing a whole lot of work, Boom, I put it up there and I put a link on the blog. Not really pleading with people to become patrons because we don't want to do that. These are tough times. And there's a lot of people who just can't afford to support something as frivolous as our podcast. And we understand that. So please, don't feel obligated. But there are other folks out there who would find it be fun to be a, a patron of the podcast. This also gets us away from having to look for sponsors, which I never I never really like. I don't want to have to have Yesu or Icom or Kenwood sponsoring our, our show in which we, we trash talk Yesu and Icom and Kenwood a lot. So anyway, 
Patreon. So we put I put a Patreon link up there on the the upper left hand side of the solder smoke thing and didn't think another thing about of it. All of a sudden last week I get I get a message from Patreon. Hey, you've got a sponsor. And we have our very first sponsor. Jonathan McGee from the United Kingdom has signed up to sponsor. Our first sponsor. He will always wow. be remembered. Wow. Yeah, that's it. So thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for becoming our first sponsor. Anybody else who's interested, check it out. I have a nice picture up on the uh, up on the on the Patreon page. I think you'd like to see that. And the other thing they like is they they want you to do in Patreon is to provide kind of exclusive comp, uh, content that's only available to the patrons. That's going to be kind of tough because we have a limited amount of content that we produce, and we want to make it free to everybody who wants to see it. So we'll have to think about how to do this. We're not going to get into this kind of you, you become a sponsor and you get to see the really good stuff. No, we're not going to do any of that kind of stuff. We're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it easy. But anyway, you have another option there if you want to support the Solder Smoke podcast. Um, also, would ask, act, like to ask people to continue to use the Amazon thing up in the upper right because that's a way to, that's almost like free money. Well, it's like money out of Bezos' pocket. It's not our money, it's Bezos' money. So use that whenever you're going to buy something on Amazon. A lot of people buying a lot of stuff on Amazon, Pete. McLaren. Oh, are you buying the McLaren? <laughs> yeah, 300,000 McLaren. <laughs> I bought some t-shirts the other yeah, day. Yeah, there you go. And I, I, bought, I bought a little adapter that lets, me, that lets me hook up my iPhone to an HDMI cable and run it right into the big screen TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, for the YouTube. Yeah, it's better. I mean, you, you could technically do it over Wi-Fi, but we find it stalls a lot and, and it kind of buffers. So I just bought a big HDMI cable. Uh, Alan, W2AEW, told me, hey, well, you know, you could do it Wi-Fi. I tried it, but it, it, it buffers a lot. So I get, now I have an adapter. It goes right from the phone through the HDMI cable into the big screen TV. Boom, Bob's your uncle. Anyway, that concludes this issue of a Shameless Commerce Division Patreon special. Thank you, Jonathan McGee. Pete, what's on your bench? I mean, we, we've talked about it a lot already, but anything else on the bench you want to mention? Well, well, just that um, I repackaged the uh, Radig because it was on a breadboard with all just scattered all over the place, and a few few times some wires got shorted. <laughs> not a really not good, good for field work. Not good for field work. So it's all it's all buttoned up on a metal plate. And the other thing I did is I converted my inverted V antenna to a delta loop. And my inverted V was 98 feet. So you had about 49 feet each leg. And the reason for that was it's three half wavelengths and 20. So I just completed the square, or the triangle in this case, and added another piece to give me a total of 139 feet. And where do you feed it? At the top, because the that's top. where it is. That's where okay. it is. Now you have three, four different places you can feed it, from the side, from the middle of the bottom, or from the top. Now some of these... Uh, or tend to be vertical radiation. Some tend to be horizontal. I just wanted to test it and try it and see what we could do. And so oh. that's where we set it up that way. Do you have any kind of matching transformers in there? I do, a 9 to 1, but actually I uh, I just got them in the mail from Diz, W-A-D-I-Z. So uh -huh. I'm gonna, it's supposedly uh, about 100 ohms, so I'm going to make a 50, 100 ohm transformer, but I had uh -huh. to wait for the core. It took three weeks to get the core, it wasn't Diz's fault. He mailed them three weeks to go from Florida. Wow. It took pretty bad. five days from Los Angeles, 40 miles. Wow. Wow. That's really unusual. That's, 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 that's not I, good. I, I can't explain it, but, you know, I was tracking it. Last weekend it was in Los Angeles, and then finally on Thursday it showed up here. Well, I got, I got something from, from Australia in like a week. So some chips and stuff. So even even with delays in, in in customs and everything else, that's not good. I used they used to have an antenna like that. I, I mentioned it because one, and when I was a kid, QST had this kind of delta loop for forty meters, and you would feed it at the the center of the the bottom part of the triangle, and then you would use like a quarter wave matching transformer, seventy five ohms, yeah, seventy five ohm coax, and that that was one of the things that I I built as a kid. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, Anything else on the bench? Anything else you want to mention? Yeah, just uh, getting ready for field day. All right, yeah. How long do you think you're going to last out there, Pete? One hour. One hour, that's it. Then you're done. You've, you've yeah. done it. You made it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
All right. I think I'm going to be. I mean, you you go five minutes, say that's not even participating, but one hour is gaggling. One hour is good. Starts getting a little bit, starts to get a little warm. You get a couple of mosquito bites back in the house. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Okay. Well, on my bench, one of the things I wanted to mention, we talked about a little bit earlier, the Nano VNA. I got one and I really like this thing. It's, It's caused me to kind of think about things in radio theory that I hadn't really thought about too much before. For example, how does an L network actually work? Why is it that if you put a specific value of a coil and a cap next to an impedance, you can convert it from 2,000 ohms to 50 ohms? How can you tune out any reactants? When you start to understand the Smith chart, you, you get to see this a lot better. Now, I, I think sometimes the Smith chart can be overly complicated. And it can actually be an impediment to understanding. But it can also help a lot. And if you know what's going on with the nano VNA, you can fool around with it and really start to understand how that L network works, how it does, how it transforms an impedance, and how it gets rid of the reactants. So I'm really, really enjoying that and I want to learn some more. I got I, I Tony pointed me to Tony Fishbull pointed me to a package of software. That, you allow, that allows you to, to display everything on the nano, nano VNA on your computer, which makes it a whole lot easier to use. But I must say, when I'm, when I'm working close to a circuit and I want to keep the lead length short, the screen on the, on the nano VNA is, is large enough to, to be useful. And I, I just think it's a tremendously useful little tool. So, for example, a lot of times when we build, we build an amplifier, we really don't know what the output impedance of that amplifier is. What is it? I mean, and it becomes especially important when you're trying to put a crystal filter in there after it, because you have to know how to match it to get the the impedance that you need. In the past, we've kind of fooled around with TIA amplifiers, because the TIA, you could sort of specify what the characteristic impedance of the amplifier is. But with these devices, you could build the amplifier, then take a look at it from the perspective of the filter and see what the impedance looks at looks like in both directions. And then you can go ahead and design L networks to specifically match out, mm. match those those impedances. So that I'm 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 looking forward to using it like that. I mentioned a package that I got from Australia. Uh, this is a new ceramic filter for the Q31 shortwave receiver. Um, and I my my problem was that I, I was using first I started out with filters that were plus or minus three kilohertz that's a 6kc wide bandwidth which is for me too tight for um shortwave listening because then i then i tried another and i didn't realize it i thought i was dealing with a 10kc filter but when i started looking at it in the nano vna and with the antuino i realized the thing was plus or minus 10kcs which makes it a 20kc I mean, it sounded great. It sounded really a hi-fi, but I mean, I was listening to several stations at once. So I consulted the the Mini Kits company catalog down there in Australia, Mini Kits, and they had a filter that was plus or minus plus or minus six kcs, which is a twelve kilohertz filter, which is about right. So I ordered one of those and got it and installed it in the uh, in the Q31. And it seems to be the happy medium. It still sounds really good, but it's not so broad that I have to listen to several stations at the same time. So that's one of the things that I've been working on. Finally, one thing I wanted to mention on the bench, Pete, you had, you had talked about this back in 222 when we were talking about antennas. Uh, you had mentioned, you used a phrase called a gain, a gain dipole. And this caused somebody to write in and say, what was, what was that about? How can a dipole have gain? And of course, what, what you were talking about was lobes. That if you add, if the, you make the antenna significantly longer than half a wavelength, if you start adding half wavelength elements, it'll start sprouting off lobes. There'll be nulls, and the energy that was in the null is now in the lobe. And so, if your lobe happens to be over Europe, you're in good shape. If your lobe happens to be over <laughs> empty portions of the of the South Atlantic, not so good. But I started thinking, what do the lobes look like? on my antennas and how could I do this? And I think you had mentioned Whisper. And so I fired up Whisper and put a 250 milliwatt signal into the 20 meter, on 20 meters on the Whisper frequency. I looked at what theory said the the lobe should look like. 
And then I just ran whisper for a while. And it was amazing. You could see the lobes right there. You could see where the stations are picking me up and where they're not. You could see where the nulls are. It's supposed to have four lobes and at least three of them are clearly apparent. The fourth is not so much because there aren't too many stations to the southeast <laughs> here. But then I wanted to see whether, you know, whether this is the, the result of lobes or just the distribution of uh, whisper stations. But it's not. It, it actually should, does show the lobes. I put this all up on the blog so, so it should, should, be, should be quite visible there. Interesting stuff. Hey, we just got to go through the miscellaneous segment. Then we got to get you out of here because you've got a busier day than I do. But miscellaneous, just a few things I wanted to mention. Farhan did a video, and it is just amazing. I mean, there's a lot of great videos out there, but wow, Farhan did one on the feedback amplifier. You know, all the amplifiers in the BIDX are feedback amplifiers. And he did a video in which he describes the benefit of the feedback amplifier, the theory behind it. And then in the course of the video, he actually builds a feedback amplifier and then uses the Antuino to test it. It's about 53 minutes long. It's a beautiful piece of work. Dean looked at it, and Dean, you know, it was like one of these things, you know, I laughed, I cried, it changed my life. I'm exaggerating, but Dean was really taken with the thing for good reason. It's, it's a really good way to get familiar with the amplifier, so check that out. Um, we've already talked about Summer Sprat. If you're not subscribed, you're wrong. Finally, um, Tom Witherspoon on the SWL uh, blog mentioned that on, on June 21st, they do the traditional broadcast to the British Antarctic bases because they're in midwinter and they're in complete, they're in real lockdown down there. And they do shortwave broadcasts over the years in which they send music and messages from home to people down there. Now, it's no longer really necessary because these guys have the internet, but it's a tradition that's continued. And I, I, I wanted to see if I could hear it. And I could, I could hear it direct the broadcast from the UK down to there. That was kind of fun. Hey, before you pass by Dean too quickly, uh, the value of taking time to learn stuff and, and being able to reason. He was telling me that uh, he's now set up his uh, uh, Arduino to key his transmitter. So you, you hit a button and, and the actual push to talk is, is not done with the button. It's done with the Arduino using a transistor switch. So he wired the thing up, and he had it working on a breadboard, so he wired the thing up permanently, and it didn't work. So he goes to sleep that night, and then he wakes up the next morning and says, the transistor's in backwards. He, it just, it, his mind clicked. <laughs> the, the advantage of taking a step back. We yeah, talk about this all the yeah, time. But, but it's also, all the things that you learn, you don't Easter egg hunt it. You're, you're reason what could possibly be wrong. And so I what? said, see, this is the value of learning and taking time to understand how these circuits work. Well, it's curious, it's curious that you mentioned that because <clears throat> in Farhan's video, which I know Dean was watching, Farhan talked about how the labeling on some of the transistors, it's normally emitter-base collector, EBC, but some of them are reversed. So I wonder if Dean got that idea just from watching God. Farhan's video. Could, could be, could be. But you know, he said, it, these he, said are, these he fixed are kind it. Of, this, this is the, 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 one of the great things about homebrewing today, and you talk about this a lot, but because of the, the internet, we get help from, from far away. I talked about, when I talked to the Vienna Wireless Club, I talked about how I had tried to build this direct conversion receiver from QST back as a teenager and failed. And then I tried again 38 years later and failed again. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get the, the, the oscillator in this direct conversion receiver to work. And Dex down there in, in New Zealand, ZL2DEX, he looked at the picture that I had up on the Solder Smoke blog. And from half a world away, he said, hey, Bill, you wound the tickler coil backwards. I was not getting Barkhausen's criteria. Yeah, K beta equals one. Yeah. It was negative feedback. It was not positive feedback. Anyway, there you go. The benefits of when you know stuff, you can do stuff. Yeah. And when you connect with people who know stuff, it's great. There you that... go. He's got the t shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pete, before we get you out of here and get you off to, 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 to field day and all your other activities, it's time for Solder Smoke Mailbag. A lot of good mail this time. Mauro, VA6BRO, he liked the Solder Smoke book, sent a very nice note. Thank you, Mauro, for the feedback. 
We heard from Trigg in Galway, Ireland. He is listening, and he hopes to get some signed books. I'm going to try to get him get him to you, Trigg. The quarantine makes it a bit difficult to go to the post office. <laughs> Hazardous to go to the post office. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Michael, N4MJR, speaking of the lockdown, he came up with a suggestion for what phonetics I should use for my call sign, N2CQR. I found out CQR is a very popular boat anchor, literally boat anchor. The guys on the SV Delos use CQR anchors. So people in the yachting community often say to me, hey, uh, do you have any connection to the, to the anchors? And I, well, no, but, uh, but it's interesting. Anyway, Mike says that I use the following phonetics. November 2, Corona Quarantine Radio. There you go. CQR, Corona Quarantine Radio. I don't know. Kind of gives me the creeps. <laughs> I don't know if I want to have Corona well, in my We're all doing sign. so much better. <laughs> I think I'll <laughs> stick with the old, the old ones. Ed, uh, DD5LP, has been helping us get Solder Smoke rebroadcast on shortwave stations. We've talked about the rebirth of shortwave in uh, in Europe. A lot of the old shortwave stations are being taken over partially by radio amateurs who are running their own programs. We see a similar phenomenon going on here with WBCQ, WRMI, and others. But uh, Ed knows somebody. He knows a guy. Who knows a, a guy. A, who knows a guy in a German shortwave broadcast station. So we've already sent one clip, one short clip, Hopefully, this will be just the beginning of bigger things. We'd like to see our program broadcast on the shortwave bands in Europe. Very good. So we're waiting. You may need States. some patrons to make that happen. That would be good. Patrons? Yeah, because, you know, back here, they want, you know, 60 bucks an hour. Yeah. Patrons. That's a good point, Peter. Pe- and then patrons. you could customize it. Then we could customize it. There. You, oh, man, you're thinking. You're, yeah. You've you got, you got the head for business there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Patreon might be the answer to this whole thing. Um, and it wouldn't be in Europe. It would be right here in the yeah, USA, maybe, yeah. maybe on WRMI. Yeah. There, there you go. go. That's why we need patrons. I hadn't even. Th- I knew we needed them. I wasn't sure why. Now I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Roger, our old friend, PA1 Zulu Zulu. He's in California. He's been in California for many years, but I always think of him as, as PA1 Zulu Zulu. He sent me a nice email about the Don Lee broadcast system, an important part of radio history in California. And Don Lee, I urge you, just go to YouTube and YouTube Don Lee broadcast system. And you'll learn about it. It's, it's, it's technically very interesting. Thank you, Roger. Uh, Rick, K-E-3-I-J. I put up a link to his blog. He had, he had, he had a, his a blog with a lot of real homebrew inspiration there. And... One of the things I also wrote to him because his Drake 2B had a skirt, a silver skirt on it that's not stock, very similar to the silver skirt that I now have on my beloved Drake 2B. He said that he didn't do it. The previous owner, W3GOO, did it. He's not sure why, but he points out that he got the 2B because he traded his Commodore 64 to W3GOO for the Drake 2B. I, I think I think Rick got the better part of the bargain there. He still got the 2B, that Commodore 64. Long gone, <laughs> long gone. Walter, KA4KXX, a uh, good friend down there in Florida, a contribution contributor to Sprat for many years, longtime QRP guy, has come up with a simplified circuit for the Michigan Mighty Might. Enough of that Michigan Mighty Might complexity, enough of those extraneous parts. Walter, Repeating a, a circuit that he saw that came out of the UK has, uh, has sent us a, a, a simplified Michigan Mighty Might. The parts count is significantly down. He's like munching it. He's munching it. Um, I'll try to put a link up to this on the, on the Spotter Smoke blog. Uh, there's so many Peters involved in homebrew radio. I don't know. I mean, I mentioned this before, but every time I do the mailbag, there's a three or four Peters. Now we have two in a row coming up here. Peter, VE1BZI, thanks us for sharing tribal knowledge and he built a version of the, the of the Dipolo Criollo, one of my, my first QST article from back in like '93 or something like that, and '93 '94 he built one. Peter VK2 EMU. Oh yeah. Oh, who sent us so many things? He sent us the key with keep solder smoke, and I have it here. He, I have it on the. The on wooden the, plaque. 
on the my, the N two CQR plaque. That I was got there. one. Yeah, you got one too. Yeah. Oh man, they're they're awesome. Um, um, he wants someone, someone, someone with a uh, CNC machine. He says to make a version of the uh, const- of the Constructor Crusader badge. Now we found uh, uh, through Scott K A nine P cover of amateur wireless magazine from 1934 has a very cool logo for the constructor crusader group you can be you must join the constructor crusaders i have this up on the blog and we need this kind of badge uh peter suggests someone should make them for us and he just clears his throat and says perhaps somebody with a cnc machine i don't know don't know who he might be talking about there. <laughs> John, GM4OOU, he built a lockdown rig and sent us a description. John, we want some pictures. Send us some pictures. Jerry, KI4IO, the Wizard of Warrington. Very, very close by here, just about 25 miles uh, west of us. Jerry and I are going to get together once the corona uh, pandemic is, is uh, under control. But um, he, uh, he has built uh, his version of a Sprouty regen receiver as a lockdown quarantine rig. Uh, Sprouty by Alpha Alpha 7 Echo Echo. Very nice work. Beautiful. I mean, Jerry does some amazing stuff. Adam N0ZIB built a Michigan Mighty Might, which he claimed was mighty ugly. ugly. But it, we said it, it looks good. It looks fine. It jumped around a little bit, but that's just the, the connectors. But good, good for you, Adam, there. Great, great stuff. Wooter, ZS1KE in South Africa, uh, was, has been comparing notes with us on Drake2Bs, uh, further demonstrating the truly gro- global reach of the International Brotherhood of Electronic Wizards that we are. And then finally, Randall, KD5RC, wants to get started in homebrew, and I think we provided him some, some sage advice. That's what we do around here, Pete, sage advice, especially from you. Pete, it, we are, we're now at the one-hour, five-minute Point. You are a man with many responsibilities and field day looming in front of oh, you. Oh, yeah. I got to cart all the crap out to the back. <laughs> I think you're going to win. I think you're going to win in your division. Uh, I doubt it, but it'll it'll be fun. Well, I mean, if they have a division called homebrew uh radio yeah yeah <laughs> if, if there was a home if there was a homebrew division, you and I would both win. Yeah, yeah, we would. We would. <laughs> have a great have a great field day. Pete. Yeah, just a little PSA. Hey, everybody, be safe. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, my phone, uh, I, I got this alert system with Ventura County, went off three times with these uh, messages about wearing a mask and about social distancing. And, I mean, it's scary when the phone goes off and, you know, that uh, that automatic broadcast system. This is serious stuff. Serious no, it stuff, is. Serious guys. Please be and, safe. And, you know, we, we, for a long time, we, were, we came up with the acronym STAY IN THE SHACK. You know, that's not always possible. But now the thing is, wear the mask. I mean, yeah. put the mask on. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. It takes some getting used to. Uh, you got to buy some of them. I just, I ordered mine from Amazon. We got a whole bunch of masks. We keep them in a little box by the door. And anytime anybody goes out, you put that damn mask on and, you know, keep it on until you come back, you know, until you get back in the car. And it could make a big, big difference. Yeah. It's, um, it's dangerous stuff, and uh, we haven't seen wave two yet. This is still wave one, and and just look at the look at the graphs of the number of infections, the number of deaths. Not not a good story. So be safe, guys. Don't do stay safe, stupid. everybody. Yeah, seven, seven threes three. from the west coast. Seven threes from Northern Virginia. Thanks a lot, Pete. We'll see you. Bye bye. Ciao. Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, 
available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!